This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. I am actually quite ill today. I'm under the weather. Uh, So I'm recording this intro from bed. So sorry if the sound quality is not very good. I promise the rest of the episode is normal quality. So today I have an interview for you guys with the founder of Vintage Meet Modern. Her name is Veronica. She is a a jeweler stylist, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and thought leader based in Chicago. So she has a really cool business that's all about her love of vintage jewelry. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to have her on this show is because she's really grown her business by using live video, um, video in general and social media in general, but specifically live video, which is something that I do not have that strength. I cannot give you guys too much advice And I get questions about it all the time. So she brought some excellent advice to the show today. So yeah, I'm excited for you to hear the interview. Before we hop into that, just want to remind you that my membership is open for business. So we had our first group call last week and we're having our next group call next week. So already made some great connections in there. It is $10 a month to go ahead and get started. So I'd love to see some more of you guys over there. I just scheduled my first two guest speakers as well, which is really exciting. You guys don't just have to listen to me for months on end. I'm going to be having amazing guests come on and uh, help educate you guys and give you guys tools to succeed. So the link for that will be in the show notes. It's bit.ly slash LJ membership. And with all that said, I'm going to go to bed and you guys are going to listen to this interview. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Let's just kick things off by telling the folks out there a little bit about Vintage Meat Modern and how it came to be. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. And uh, I love talking about Vintage Meat Modern. It's obviously my passion. And I'm very lucky because my passion did lead to a profession. But I also am very proud that my business really became born out of a need. And I think that so many entrepreneurs, that's exactly what we're trying to do. And I saw a situation in which I felt like this would be an opportunity to be able not only to use my knowledge of something I've been passionate about my whole life, which is jewelry, but also I was having an opportunity to connect with women who couldn't find something that they couldn't find anywhere else. And so that's been a pretty powerful place to start and to be. Mm-hmm. So um, cool. my business is Vintage Meat Modern, and I am a personal stylist that specializes in vintage jewelry. And I have worked in this industry for over 20 years, and I've sold directly for myself to consumer over the last 10 years online. But it has been a joy getting to know women all over the world and to source these incredible treasures, which you cannot find literally by walking into any mainstream store. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So where did the passion for vintage jewelry come from? Well, the passion for it actually started with my grandmother. 
I was introduced to a love of what wasn't vintage jewelry back then, like when I was four years old, uh, because all the other kids were scattered around and running out of the house and playing in my grandparents' backyard. And I would sneak off into my grandmother's room and I would like put on all of her pearls and her clip earrings. And I would always have this feeling of like, I was going to get in trouble for doing it. But then it actually became this like bonding experience that I had with my grandmother from a very young age where she was like, oh no, she's like, you've got the necklace on, let's put the earrings on too. Or there's a ring that goes with this too. And so from a very young age, I felt like I didn't necessarily fit in, in the sense, like I didn't want to run around and get in the backyard and get dirty. And I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't really like super athletic and I gravitated more towards like learning and observing. And I loved like fashion. And there was always an old Hollywood movie, like playing at my grandparents' house. And I always thought that that was the coolest thing. And from a young age, like I didn't also think that like, I thought everybody did that. I thought, you know, you walked in and you watched, watched grand, gone with the wind at your grandmother's house all the time. Like, uh, so I just kind of grew up with like an old soul personality. Yeah. Uh, But then I also grew up and I came from like a really humble family. And so part of my love for accessories and jewelry was my grandmother really instilled in me at a very young age that these little things, these little treasures, which I thought were like diamonds, rubies and things like that, and weren't just like rhinestones and faux pearls, uh, were what was going to set you apart from the rest. And Mm. that was a very powerful lesson to learn at a young age because what my grandmother was wearing as an adult was fitting me when I was still a child. And it was something that like, then as I grew older and I could grow up and have conversations with her and even observe with other people, I thought to myself, wow, like these women who wear, you know, beautiful jewelry, they feel so much more put together. And they also, they're so distinctive, you know, I mean, Somebody could be wearing the same exact blue suit, but then they would have like a completely different calling card by wearing a brooch on it. And I thought to myself, that was from when I really realized that I had a passion for accepting that life is lived in the details. And so that's Mm. really where the whole love affair with vintage jewelry and designer jewelry just started in general. How I got into it in the business, that's, that's an interesting story. Oh, I love that. First of all, I love that story because I think a lot of, um, a lot of people kind of have like that one person that introduced them to the thing that they're passionate about. And I, I think it's so cute that it was your grandma. My mom and I, like I come from a super humble background as well. So me and my mom did a lot of window shopping, um, but we would go to like antique stores and vintage stores. And like, I remember she got me this ring that I always say it's a ruby ring, but it's like it had a piece of ruby in it, like the tiniest bit of ruby. But like, that was just something that I treasured so much, you know, Um and it and it does like having a piece like that just really does help with your confidence like it just when I put that on I felt like a million bucks and like I could just take on the world so that was always like my interview ring or now it's like my meeting with clients ring you know when I need to kind of give myself that little boost of confidence that's what I'll put on so I love that 
And I love that. And that's actually how so much of this became because later in life, the same grandmother who I'm talking about, uh, she had Alzheimer's and uh, for like the last six years of her life, she didn't even really know who she was. Mm -hmm. But my grandfather took so much pride in taking care of her and understood the importance of that, that he put his, he put her pearls on her every day up until the day she died. And I wore her pearls on my high school graduation day, my college graduation day, my first job interview. And even now, like if I'm going through like a difficult time or I feel like I need to overcome something, I put on those pearls and it's just a great way to be anchored to something that's in the past. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. So, so talk a little bit more about, uh, how you did get the business started then how because I think a lot of us okay we have these wonderful passions but how do you actually monetize them and turn them into something sustainable so how did that get started right well that started in two different ways the first of which is that I actually have a degree in political science and in Latin American studies and I sat for the LSAT after I graduated from college and I freaked out <laughs> I like I I don't know what it was, but I had been this very straight and narrow student that was like also first grandchild to go to college, like those types of things. And I graduated with honors with these degrees. I wrote a thesis and I went to go sit for the LSAT and I just couldn't do it. But my dad, who is an incredible person, but also said to me, he said, well, that's great, but you have to get a job. He's like, you can, you can do whatever you want to do, but uh, I'm sorry, sorry the LSAT didn't work out, but you need to do something. And so I actually decided that since I was always such a detail-oriented person that I wanted to go to interior design school. So I took a job at Neiman Marcus so that I could work nights and weekends so that I could go to school during the day, even though I had already received a college degree. Well, That job really, really changed my life. And I love to talk about just retail and customer service and all the great training for just life in general that that job gave me because it was great. It was challenging because it was a commission-based environment. And this is how I got put into this department because the director that was there at the time was like, I'm going to put you in the jewelry department. He's like, everybody loves jewelry. And he was like, women love it. Men love it. Like people like to buy it for their girlfriends. He's like, you'll do fine down there. Well, when I started in the jewelry department, nobody would be my friend for real. (laughs) It was a commission based environment. So all of the sales associates were very focused on themselves. Yeah. And back then, When new lines would come through and designer reps would come through, they would send all this really interesting information about the jewelry, about what it was made from and what the designers were about and what their inspirations were and everything. And so I would just stand at the counter for hours just studying the pieces and learning about them. But honestly, the secret to the success was customers would just naturally come up to me and they'd be like, what are you reading? what are you touching? What is this? And I'd be like, oh, this is a beautiful piece from, you know, John Hardy. And it's got all this Belizean, you know, inspiration behind it. It's supposed to look like river rock and everything like that. And the next thing I knew, people were like, oh, I'll take it. I think I was shocked when I had like my first big sale. I was like, did that just, just happen? And so I was like, wow, this love that I already had of jewelry that was kind of always like tugging at my heart 
Now I have an opportunity to educate people and really serve a niche with it. And I became a very successful salesperson at Neiman Marcus. In fact, I was the youngest salesperson to be putting themselves through school and also hit a million dollar client book that same year. I was like fresh out of college, still not knowing what I was going to do with myself, but I stayed on there. But how I got into the vintage side of things and how I turned it into an entrepreneurial passion is, again, sort of like a rise from the ashes type thing. I left Neiman Marcus to go and have my family. And then I found myself a single mother. And I actually, when blogging was still popular, had heard about Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And I, he said, you know, if you're having struggling and you can't make ends meet and everything else like that, uh, put it on eBay. So I had all this leftover vintage and designer jewelry. I had clients that I had still stayed in touch with from my Neiman's days who were either like downsizing collections or they were having things that they no longer wanted. And it wasn't against my policy because I no longer worked at Neiman's so I could sell whatever I wanted to online. And then all of a sudden, one day my accountant sat down with me and he goes, you know, you're making more money selling jewelry online through eBay then you are teaching preschool. And I had been teaching preschool literally to make ends meet so that my daughters would be able to get preschool tuition. (laughs) Wow. And that's how the business is born. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So when you started, were you primarily, well, no, I guess you said you did have some of the contacts from Neiman's, but you were selling mostly online. So is that still um, the majority of your business is online or do you do do you do anything kind of in person or local? Is it pretty much all e-commerce? Oh, we, so for a long time, it was really very equally parts. Like we did Mm -hmm. a lot, we did a lot in person, we did a lot online, and then we sold a lot on multiple channels too. I always like to inspire people also with that is that uh, I really had to push my own boulder uphill, at least from the entrepreneurial perspective as well, because I started on eBay and realized that that wasn't a very good fit for my personality because I liked talking to customers. And on there, all you're doing is talking to a screen name. Right. Then I moved over to Etsy, which was a little bit better, but I still couldn't really have the same personal connection that I really craved which was what made me so successful when I did sell in person. So that's when we really balanced things out by doing in-person things. But I had to get really creative because the interesting thing about working in the industry that I am is is that you do a really good job talking to people who are already interested in it. And then like you shared Mm -hmm. this great story with me about this ring that you had gotten from window shopping with your mom. Mm -hmm. Well, people who are already going to antique fairs and antique malls, and I guess you could say like antique festivals and things like that, they already are there because they want to be there. But I kept saying to myself, like, we have to go bigger. We have to go bigger because there are people that want to have this experience, but they also don't want to be able to spend their entire day at the antique mall, or they don't even know where one is maybe. You know, they're also a dying, like, art, I guess you could say. I mean, the local antique mall over in my area even went, you know, belly up recently. So we then decided that we were going to take the risk and we were going to move to Shopify. And it was a very, very slow crawl. I was for years battling how are we going to balance our e-commerce sales with our platform sales versus our in-person sales. And eventually one day, what happened was I said, we're going to have to go all in and let people know that we have the website. So we still do do in-person things. Uh, I'm very proud because I decided that, well, women need 
brooches to go on their blazers. So I will partner with brands like J. Crew. Uh, women want to know how to store their jewelry. So I'll partner with brands like Pottery Burn because they sell awesome travel jewelry cases. I'll partner with smaller brands because they're looking for things for brides when they're making headpieces and things like that. And so I still do a lot of in-person things and I love getting to partner with other brands because that's truly what making vintage meat modern is all about. Uh, and then I said, we got to go bigger than this. And thankfully somebody said, why don't you just turn the camera on and try Facebook live? <laughs> yep. And that's when I said, okay, we'll try it. We'll try it the same way that we would do like with a podcast or with a YouTube or things like that. And it really, it took off. And so now a lot of our business is really driven to our Shopify shop. But what makes us special and unique is that we produce a weekly video show every week talking about all the pieces that we have uh, because the collection is always changing since everything is one of a kind. Mm, that's awesome. So a uh, couple things on that. So first, when you say that you partner with some of these great brands like J. Crew, what does that partnership look like? And how would a partnership like that even kind of come to fruition? Like, how did you get your first J. Crew partnership? I have to be very honest in this department. <laughs> I asked. I, Amazing. <laughs> I literally, I, I, I asked while getting ready to actually go to an event for something that I was going to be speaking at. I actually went into a local store and I had brought my own tray of jewelry that was my own. I mean, and I said, like, I really want to find something because I speak about the power of being able to wear designer vintage jewelry with your modern clothes. And I was like, so that's my element, like looking at the sales associate and looking at the manager and everything. And I'm like, and that, that's my jam. That's, that's who I am. And uh, these are an example of some of the pieces that I actually have that I actually wear. And of course I want to show up wearing my own things. So I want to find things to go with these pieces. And people were, like the manager was like, I love it. And mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. And she's like, would you like to do a pop-up here? And I was like, That's I amazing. didn't even know that J. Crew does stuff like this. And she was like, oh, no, you'd be perfect for it. She's like, we love supporting small businesses. Uh, she's like, it's always such an honor to be able to get to know you. And she's like, and unlike people that we have that come in with other, like, bloggers or stylists or things like that, she's like, wow, girl, she's like, when you're here, she's like, you're really working. You're showing the customers, like, how to put our stuff with your stuff. If they've got stuff like that that's their own grandmothers at home, like, you're not even mm -hmm. telling them to buy your things. You're saying, why don't you buy this sweater? And so, again, that natural relationship of just asking and having the dialogue uh, is really what was be able to kick off the partnerships and I would say that a majority of like people have said yes. We've of course had people say no, but I always believe that then the timing was just not right or maybe it was just not a good fit. Yep. I love that. That is, that's amazing. It, it, it speaks to a couple of things. One, just asking, like you said, you know, just kind of going for it. Um, and two, I also think it's really important because a lot of people who listen to the show, you know, we have online businesses or businesses that some, have some kind of an online element or we're helping clients that do. But I think it's so important to not forget about sort of the offline world too and how they can sort of coexist and work together. And if you didn't walk into that store, you know, maybe if you would have tried just emailing like the J Crew corporate 
a contact, you might not have had the same success because you didn't bring yourself and, you know, they didn't see that passion. You know, there, there's not, there really is nothing like face-to-face. So I think that's a great story for that reason. Thank you so much. And I really, I if I could inspire somebody else to do that, I would say, take the chance. And besides taking the chance, if you're really, truly passionate about it, just start it as a dialogue, start it as a conversation. And that has also opened other doors for me in which of just staying in touch with other people. I did mention, you know, there have been opportunities where people have said to us, you know, you're not a good fit for us, but you know who I really think that you should speak to is I already know that this boutique also does that. Or, you know, I know that, and it also taught me that, you know, when the appropriate time was to start those kinds of conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because like I said, you know, we actually switched doing something with a different boutique and the manager and the store manager changed and the relationship changed, but we stayed in touch with them. And now three months later, they called us again, even though we got a no three months ago. Right. Yep. Yeah. You never know when those relationships are going to kind of come back and and circle back. The universe has has its way of (laughs) working in your favor a lot of times. So I love that. Um, So let's talk about the video stuff. I know you mentioned the Facebook Live show. So why... Why Facebook Live? Why did you choose that platform to get started? Uh, Well, I have two reasons for it primarily. Uh, The first of which is that one thing that I was very proud of and something that I had already done very successfully from my personal shopping days was that I would develop a rapport with clients that were from out of town. And they were people who were really great and would always make an opportunity that when they came to town to Chicago, they would shop with me in person. And so I had already had in the back of my mind mentally that if we could meet people either in person and stay in touch with them, or if we would meet somebody through a connection, we would do our best to be able to get images into their hands. It used to just be digital images of taking things on a cell phone. But I wound up having a really good customer that actually moved from the U.S. to the United Kingdom. And she could no longer easily be able to access all the photos. So I used to just basically send her these like little videos. And she was like, oh, the videos are so helpful. She's like, I can see the size and the scale. And when you tilt things, you Mm -hmm. can, you know, see if it sparkles or you can see if it catches a different color. And, you know, she said to me, she's like, "You you should share these videos with everybody. And I am not a techie person. So I was like, oh man, that seems like a lot of work to go and upload every video to the website. I'm not even sure I would have the bandwidth to be able to do that. I have a team now who can help me, but at the time I didn't. Uh, So somebody else had said to me, he said, you know, well, why don't you get a private Facebook group going of your customers and you can do the videos there. And so then it started off just doing the pre-recorded videos in there. And then somebody else was like, you should do them live so that people can ask you questions while you're actually showing the pieces. Oh my gosh. Talk about being scared to die. (laughs) Uh, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is crazy. This is, this is nuts. Like I watched these ladies on QVC go live uh, and I think they're amazing, but I'm not sure I can do it. And I started off in my Facebook group, just doing it for them. Like when the group was like itty bitty, like 200 people. Now we have like close to 2,500. And then after that, uh, as the company began to grow, people were even like, 
why don't you do it on your main Facebook page? You've got like 26,000 fans on there. Don't you think they all want to see the jewelry? So Mm -hmm. that's how we started in the group. I still offer my most private, candid, behind the scenes type things uh, in my Facebook group. But we do go live once a week and we go live on the main page and we just have fun with it. And the best part about it is, is that we have this very, very nice community of people that really just celebrate the joy of jewelry together. And we also get a lot of awesome jewelry that goes off to new homes. So that's Mm. how the Facebook Live started. I've stuck with Facebook Live because For me, what makes sense for me in my business, since everything is one of a kind here, the uh, financial bandwidth, if we just want to talk hard numbers of being a business owner, is that there's a lot of work that goes into uploading and editing professional videos. I should note my husband is a film editor for a living. So he literally will spend eight hours editing a 30-second sports clip all day long. And people think that everything is so instant in this world, and it's not. Yep. But for a business like mine, where pieces are all one of a kind and they get turned over pretty quickly, Facebook Live is a better option because the cameras are easier to work. uh, We can answer questions faster. And we're not financially eating up our time the same way we would if we were having to then send the video to be edited because chances are the pieces would be gone and sold before the edited video would even be put out. Mm. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I I do have a film background as well. And oh. I think that is one of the challenges with it is the turnaround time. I mean, and I'm like, pr- I, I can do things pretty quickly, but even if it is a day long project, you know, you're right. Like if it's sold the next day, then that did no good. And you just wasted eight hours or wasted, you know, money to outsource that. So I love that idea of using Facebook Live for just like that quick, the quick turnaround type content. Yeah. And it's a great place still to be conversational. Time and uh, technology can be a barrier for some people. And in this case, it was worth getting over the barrier and the mental block of being able to do it. And for me, I really do feed off of like other people's feedback. So even if it's hard, like we get people who are haters too, like that are like, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that or anything, or, you know, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen before. (laughs) I mean, few and far between, most people are very much like, ooh, ah, or like, I haven't seen something like that in 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And that part gets to be really fun. I mean, now when we go live, the same people actually tune in for the show every week and they talk to each other, which is like <laughs> incredible. Yesterday, somebody said that they ha- they were sick and under the weather and there were like nine people that were like, I'm so sorry you're not feeling well, Alicia. I mm-hmm. hope you feel better. Like, you know. That's so cool. Right. That's awesome. So how did you get over that sort of mental block of being on camera? Because, well, one... Being on camera is a hurdle for a lot of people in and of itself, but like live video is a whole other beast. So can you speak to that a little bit, kind of how you built up that confidence and got over got over that? Well, I think the first part is that if you think that you are too nervous to even like do like public speaking, like it is actually even easier when you do start doing the video, you know, because you do have the screen in front of you. So at any time you can just say like, you can calmly say to yourself, like, this isn't working out. I'm going to end the video right now. Whereas it's like, so for a mindset block for me, I just told myself, like, if I could get up and speak in front of a room confidently, 
I can get up and I can look into the camera and just picture my mom or my dad or my grandmother or whoever out there wants to know about why this piece of jewelry is special. And so that's really one mindset way that I got over that was that, you know, this is information. This is education. I am letting people know about what we have. And I'm also talking about why it's special. So mindset wise, this is my zone of genius. Why wouldn't I want to share it with other people? So that was the first way that I got over even saying that I was going to do it. The next thing is, honestly, when we're talking about things like editing, needing perfection, knowing what's the right time to show up, all this other stuff and everything like that. It's really true. You get really freaked out in the beginning when you go live and you see that there's like no eyes watching you. There's only (laughs) one person watching you and you're like, oh my gosh, why do I show up week after week and nobody's watching? But I think that you too, even with the quality of the type of things that you talk about on your show and stuff like that, consistency is everything. If you put it out there and you're genuinely showing up, one of the best things you do, again, is to ask. I asked my audience. I said, could you please share this with your friends? If you like what we do, could you please tag someone? Uh, if you like what you if you like what you see, could you please go to the website? And mm-hmm. one person turned into two, two persons turned into three. And that's exactly what I always said. I am a very humble person. If I can make a difference in one person's life, I will use the mindset to show up for them. Mm -hmm. So that is how it works. And then the third part about that is, again, you do have to sit down and ask yourself with all these different types of technology and social media and different platforms and the abilities to be able to do so many cool and nice things and stuff like that. There's a reason why the most successful anything's are successful is it's when they're just like done in their simplest form. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a camera now on their phone. Everybody has the ability to be able to log into something. Even though my videos aren't perfect, they're still not perfect. Just go ahead and try it. Just, just do it. You can't use the excuse that like, well, I need the right lights and I need a camera crew and who's going to edit the video afterwards and who's going to show up to watch and everything else like that. One of the most important business lessons that anyone can learn is, is that if you don't try it, you won't have anything to measure. And if you don't have anything to measure, how will you improve? And if you want to improve, you've got at least to have some sort of statistical data. So we saw that even just by showing up a little bit on Facebook, after running a website that had like no traffic going to it, that we would talk about it. And then we'd see oh my gosh, people are coming from Facebook and they're looking at our stuff. And so Mm -hmm. that gives you the encouragement to get over the mindset that nobody's watching because you do very slowly see those numbers grow. The trick is to stick with it. Mm. Yeah. So so is that kind of what you found is just, do you do every week, you know, same day, same time kind of thing, keeping on that consistent schedule? Is that sort of what led to the growth of the audience? Oh, for sure. I mean, consistency in general. I mean, we have a pretty, if you want to like get more very serious, like strategy wise, we do have a more specific strategy, but our strategy is always very balanced with also having an audience to ask questions to. I personally have just going live on Wednesday nights because that's what fit with my life. My kids go to dance actually on Wednesday nights and they're out of the house mm-hmm. um, from 6.30 to 9.30. So it's a quiet time to be able to actually connect with my audience in the evening. 
Uh, that is something that I'm aware of. Do I want to go live at 7.30 at night on Wednesdays when I could probably be watching The Crown or Mrs. Maisel? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, sure. But you know what? Like, I do have to be respectful of the fact that, you know, my audience works all day and they're kicking right. back and relaxing and doing their online shopping or learning about jewelry after they've finished their work day. So I am respectful, again, of the fact that we polled our audience and we asked them when they were around. Yes, they could catch the replay, but we've learned that it's more fun to have them interact and get their feedback while we're actually talking about the pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of the time, it's also we've kind of just gotten to a place where we have found a balance between making sure that we show up, which is probably the most important part is, is that it only takes a few times for people to say, like, I'm so disappointed I missed the show this week or I didn't get to see what was new. And then you get that feedback and you think to yourself, well, this is something that we need to make a priority. We have to put it in the calendar. Uh, and that's exactly what we do now. And everybody's aware of it. So I think there's a balance between me being honest that I did pick a time that I felt worked well with my life. But I also picked that time based around when my customers said that they would be available to watch me or even just our audience in general. Uh, so we do try to go live a couple different times a week. The show on Wednesday night is, I guess you could say, a more formal show because that's the night that we talk about our latest collection. But I go live at different times and give different style tips. Uh, sometimes we do all overhead camera views where you can just kind of see everything as a close-up. Um, mm -hmm. And all of those are just fun ways to be able to interact with the audience and then also help your audience grow. Mm, I love that. You're inspiring me. I, I'm like, I'm the worst about live video. I do tons of, you know, YouTube videos and things like that. But I don't know what it is. I just have that mental block about live. I get really anxious about it. So you're definitely inspiring me. Oh, thanks. I hope you tune yeah. in some time. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I need some tips. So um, that's awesome. One thing, last thing about Facebook that I want to ask you, because you mm -hmm. did mention briefly that you had you know, an audience of like 25, 26,000 on your Facebook. Um, so I'd love to chat a little bit just about any like Facebook growth, page growth tips that you have in general. I'm sure that the live videos kind of help you grow the audience now. But prior to that, did you, were you posting really consistently on Facebook? Were you running ads? Um, I feel like a lot of people struggle with Facebook right now and it's good old algorithm. So any any insight you can share on kind of how you got that original platform would be really helpful. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people who doesn't feel that Facebook is dead. I know a lot of people really enjoy using Instagram and just enjoy consuming content in other areas. I think an important part of our strategy is that the same content that we put out on Facebook, we do put in other areas. So for example, when we do do a Facebook Live, we download that and we do put it on YouTube. We also download the video and we put a link to it on our website. So when people do miss the show or if they do have other things going on, they can go back and watch it. So I would like to first of all say that that's like one of the user-friendly things that I don't think people always necessarily think about. They think like, oh, social media, it's so um, instant and it's there for a moment and if you miss it, it, you miss it or with the algorithm if you're hidden you're hidden there yeah. are ways to be able to make it more user-friendly for people that might be on other platforms or just miss the message because they got busy with their life so that's one reason why I really do like Facebook uh, it is user-friendly and that you can easily reconstitute what you're doing whether it's posting videos or other things and easily share that in other areas 
in terms of the growth, um, we have a very small ad budget. I We do use ads and we do use a combination of ads, but our ad budget is really, really tiny and considerate. I mean, like several hundred dollars a month versus people who spend several thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. And really the ads that we have are based on interacting with the customers. We're not really trying to sell them anything. Mm -hmm. All of our most successful posts involve the audience and they always have. And they're really, really simple. Like, do you like the earrings or the brooch? Right. Do you like the necklace or do you like the bracelet? And people love to be polled. They love Mm. to give their opinion. And that's where the conversation really comes in. So that's where I would say the growth comes in is being able to get the conversation started with people. And then we simply invite them to join our community. That's exactly what we do. We ask them like, oh, you said that you like the green brooch. Do you like vintage jewelry? Oh, yes, I love it. I've collected it my whole life. I have an entire collection from my grandmother. That's awesome. Want to join our private Facebook group? Oh, by the way, you know, we have a website. You might want to check out and see what we have. And it really yeah. just follows up with like, and if you don't, please just stay in touch with us. You might really enjoy the other content that's here. And I would say that nine times out of 10, people are like, oh my gosh, I love your page. I check your page mm-hmm. out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that because you have an actual like funnel that you're leading people down. It's and, you know, Facebook ads are it's 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 so tough for me sometimes to explain to clients because you shouldn't just be running a Facebook ad to, you know, your latest brooch or, you know, a ring or whatever it is to this completely cold audience who has no relationship with you, right? Like you're totally right in that it's about building up that relationship first before you can go in for the ask. I always say um, it's like kissing on the first date. Like you, you gotta, you gotta like start with dinner, you know, and, and introduce yourself first. Um, So I love that. That's super helpful. Uh, That's really good advice. Awesome. Well, we talked about sort of the more sentimental kind of side of jewelry, I guess. But can you talk a little bit to all the freelancers and entrepreneurs out there a little bit about maybe the importance of personal style and kind of how um, investing in some of these great pieces can help you with your confidence and presentation specifically as a as a business owner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I take that part. Obvious, obviously, as much fun as it is talking about the jewelry, we take empowering women to look and feel their best. We often say actually here that we're all about helping women look and feel their best by dressing in the details, regardless of their size, weight, shape, financial background, race, credo, you name it. The jewelry is just the upsell. Mm-hmm. After 20 years of working in this industry and actually being a successful salesperson, the reason why the jewelry actually really works is because it always fits. And much of my success, and also very proud to stay here at Vintage Meat Modern, we have an average three-year customer lifetime value. So that means like when you get to know us, you you stay to be part of what we have to offer. And I'm very proud of that, especially since we've only been selling online on our own website. Like I said, we've been selling online for 10 years, but we've only been selling online on our own website for about five years. And the first two years were really ugly. So... The fact that so many people have stuck around for the last three years, I think is a really testament to not just how special the pieces are, but how it makes you feel when you wear them, which is something that you can really only get by joining the dialogue and telling us what you need. 
And so when I think about speaking to women who are freelancers, when I speak of any working with any women in general, I think that it's always really important to invest in pieces that set you apart from the rest. Mm. They're going to empower you and be your anchor to help you look and feel your best when you are unsure of yourself. When you are stuck in a rut at home working on a client project and you haven't left your house in three days. There is a very different attitude you have when you invest in helping you look and feel your best, regardless of whether you work by yourself at a coffee shop all day long or you're interacting with clients every day. And I think a lot of people, when they see how excited I get over fashion, think that I'm trying to dress you up like a runway model. And if that's your bag, if you want to be dressed to the nines every day, I will help you with that. I love helping you with that. But if you are also a stay-at-home mom, if you work for yourself, if you are in your 20s, if you've gained weight recently, maybe you've lost weight recently, maybe you're going through a divorce, I don't know. My job is to help you look and feel your best. And what I can tell you is, is that every piece that we have here does either have a great history, fashion-related story, or it came from a very powerful estate or collector in which you're getting to own a piece of history that someone else wore as their own treasure. So somebody else's moments, walking in their shoes, their hard days, their good days, their celebrations are getting to live on with you. And that's a really, really important part of our movement here. And I love the fact that, like I said, the jewelry always fits. So Mm -hmm. whether, and there's something for everyone too. So we work really hard to make sure that the entire collection is reflective of a diverse demographic, but at the same time, a demographic of women that deserve to look and feel their best in today's day and age. That's awesome. I love that. And, and I think like, that you know accessories in general are just so fun for me because if you invest in good accessories you can totally change up your look I mean I'm like notorious for wearing all black all the time and just stuck in my neutral clothing but like I put on a gorgeous emerald ring or like you know you can totally have so much fun with your look just by switching up your accessories and that's something that I find really helpful for me as somebody who is really busy and like doesn't have time to put together all these cool um, super high fashion outfits all the time just changing my accessories a little bit can really um, help me feel and look a lot more polished when I have to go to a client meeting or have to do a photo shoot or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that a more popular hashtag that's come along right now is outfit repeater. And (laughs) we're definitely a huge fan of people that are related to the outfit repeater. I also think that it's more environmentally friendly and it's less stress on your bank account too. It only takes a few pieces to really be able to change your look like you just mentioned over and over again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's such a good point. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Well, this has been super helpful. I'm really excited to dive. I've already checked out your show a little bit, some of the replays, but I'm, I need to join a live one soon. Thank <laughs> so, you. Yeah. Before we go, do you want to let everyone know where they can find that show and where they can find you know, all your gorgeous pieces and anything else you want to share? Absolutely. Well, we'd love for you to get our VIP list because I'm going to be very honest with you. The pieces move very fast and furious around here. So we don't want anybody to have FOMO and we don't want anybody to also have a piece of vintage that haunted them. Uh, And then I would love for you to be able to join us uh, 
by being on the VIP list because then you'll receive our updates about when we go live, which is on Wednesday night. And of course, if you want to check out the videos in the meantime, you can click on over to vintagemeatmodern.com. We have an episodes tab. You can catch all the replays of our show or join the party live Wednesday night on Facebook at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. And, uh, you know, be sure to pull up a chair and get ready to see some pieces that you can't just find anyplace else. It's a ton of fun, I promise you. Amazing. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link all that stuff in the show notes as well. So if you guys want to open that up and click over, thank you so much, Veronica, for joining today. This was really, really helpful. And I'm excited to check everything out. So thanks again. Thank you. I'm Latasha James. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to review it on iTunes or share it with a friend. This podcast is all about community, so you can also go ahead and head over to the Facebook group. It's called the Freelance Friday Podcast Community, or follow me on social. My handle is the Latasha James across all platforms. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode, and like I said, feel free to share it with a friend, tag a friend, screenshot the episode, and tag a friend. It really helps us grow this community, and my goal is to help as many people through this collective community become better freelancers and more empowered freelancers. So that's it for the episode. I'll talk to you in the next one. It airs every single Friday. I'll talk to you again then.